Heaven come. That is what we want to focus on for these four weeks. Heaven come. What happens when heaven comes to earth? What happens when heaven comes to earth? Jesus came. Uh, Unto us a child is born. It's a famous verse of Scripture out of the book of Isaiah. And what I'd like to do is take four weeks. We've never done this before, but I, I just felt the Lord was speaking to me last month as I was asking for guidance and direction. I want to take four weeks and look at this prophecy of Jesus that would come, Isaiah chapter 6, unto us a child is born. And I want us to look at it from four different perspectives as revealed in the four gospels of Christ. You know why we have four gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why do we have four books of the Bible that are telling the story of Jesus? And the reason is that God wanted to bring a more complete picture of who, Je- who Jesus truly is in our world and in our lives. And so what we find is in the book of Matthew, Jesus is revealed as our great king. Aren't you glad Jesus is the king of all kings, unconquerable, nobody can defeat him, never have been able to, never will. He is your king. And then next week we're going to see this prophecy per uh, the book of Mark, where Jesus is revealed as the obedient servant. He came and under obedience to the Lord was obedient even unto death. And then in the book of uh, Luke, we see where he's the son of man revealed. And in the book of John, the son of God. So these four perspectives of Jesus. And why would it be important that we see varying perspectives of Jesus? And this is why. Because Jesus is whatever you need in the moment that you have a need for him to show up. How many of you know he is everything that we need? He is our all in all. And I want to just show you that from a couple of different perspectives as we see how Jesus is revealed in the Word. I find it interesting that uh, one of the three items in the Ark of the Covenant in Scripture, and I just want to lay a little bit of groundwork for us to understand where we're going, but one of those articles is this golden pot of manna. Now that's significant because manna was not supposed to escape the wilderness. So how did this manna get out of the wilderness? Because in the wilderness, do you remember when the Israelites were walking through the wilderness, if they gathered more than one day's worth of manna, then it would, it would uh, rot and worms would eat it and it would, it would basically die. But here somehow this pot of manna didn't die a day after gathered and it was put in the Ark of the Covenant. And so understand and recognize this, this manna that didn't die speaks of Jesus who did not die. Jesus is alive. And what does manna, what does the word manna mean? What is it? That's what it means. What is it? How many of you know Jesus is whatever it is you need at any moment that you need it? I've learned that my girls, whenever uh, they need me, you know, situation at home, uh, I, I hear this, dad, dad, come here. And what do I say? What is it? And I go into the, the kitchen and there they are and they've got a jar and they need me to help open the jar. So I become the jar opener in that moment in time. Yesterday, Faith called, Dad, can you help me? And I came in, and what did I say? What is it? And she said, I can't get the printer to print. Will you help me? And so I became the printer expert for a few moments, and we did get the printer to print. Uh, One night in the middle of the night, Lexi came running into our bedroom, and she said, Mom, Dad. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and what did I say? What is it? And she said, there's a snake in my bedroom. Literally a snake somehow had gotten in our house and was in our bedroom. And I became the conqueror of the snake in that moment in time when my daughter needed. But what did I say? What is it? And I just want you to know, when you call out to God, he is what is it in your moment in time. And he will crush the head of the snake in your life, in your situation, when you're willing to cry out to God. He is your all in all. He's everything you need. 
Come on, why don't you celebrate this king today as we ask him and invite Jesus come and illuminate your word into our lives in Jesus' mighty name. Our need technically completes God's name. He is Jehovah. And when we have need for provision, he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. He is Jehovah. And when we have need for healing, then our need completes his name. He's Jehovah Rapha, our God, our healer. This is vitally important as we start to talk about what happens when heaven comes and Jesus shows up in the earth to meet our needs so that we might be complete in Christ, then we become those who meet the needs and minister into the lives of those around us. So we're going to take four weeks and take a look at this, and I just want to challenge you. I start talking about you know, manna re- reflecting Christ, and it just makes me think, guys, we went to, we went through two years. If you're new to us as a church family, then you're maybe not aware of this, but we went through two years together of looking at each book of the Bible. We went through all 66 books, and it took us literally two years on Sunday mornings to find where Jesus is revealed in each one of those books. That is online and available to you. It's at destinychristian.com forward slash Jesus in the Bible. So I encourage you to, to make yourself aware of the resources that we have been able to provide as a church family. Do you realize that we're not trying to just get you to show up and be fed by attending church? We want you to become a self-feeder. How many of you know, if you're going to really be mature as God has called you to be mature, then you can't just rely on being inspired at church. You have to be the church, and every day of your life, learn to live a life that is inspired by God. Do you realize God will inspire you right where you are, no matter where you go? And I want to encourage you to understand and recognize that. If you write this in on your first blank, it's really an important concept. If you only eat spiritually when somebody else is feeding you, then you're going to live a life that is constantly spiritually malnourished. God's calling you to a great strength. That the king has come and awakened something of his kingdom in our hearts. And when we learn to walk in the strength that God wants to provide in our everyday daily life, come on, everywhere you go, the kingdom of God begins to show up because you are walking in the spirit in the things of God. It's important that we understand this. Jesus didn't just come so we could celebrate Christmas and give each other uh, presents. Jesus came because he's setting up shop and declaring my kingdom is invading the earth and he is going to take over. Are you ready to be a part of what God wants to do in the earth? Because you have a role to play and a part to serve in what God's called us to. So we want to walk that out. We want to do all God uh, wants to accomplish through our surrendered available lives. And again, just in the name of learning to be a self-feeder. This is such an important concept. I want to coach you into this just a little bit. Uh, if you're new, you haven't heard uh, what it is to turn the page. But I just want to reiterate for everybody. We've had people that have been in the church all their lives, some in their 60s and 70s, that have come to me and they said, you know, I've never read my Bible all the way through until you issued the turn the page challenge. It's pretty simple. Start in the book of Genesis. Write the date at the top of the page, and every day, look at my finger, turn one 
page. Read more if you want in other portions of Scripture, but every day turn one page and put the date at the top, commemorate birthdays, anniversaries, whatever that looks like for you. But as you, over the course of a couple of years, you'll have read all the way through the Bible. And when you go book to book, then go online and listen to how Jesus is revealed in that particular book. You know, Jesus is revealed in the book of Obadiah. Jesus is revealed in the book of Malachi. And, and those messages are about 30 to 40 minute excerpt of the history and context of Israel, how Jesus is uniquely revealed in that book. And as you explore into that, I believe the revelation of Christ, God just wants to meet with us. God just wants to meet with us. Jesus came to establish that we would be a part of the kingdom where we're receiving all that God wants to awaken within our hearts and release all that God's called us to release in the earth. And I am so devoted to making sure we understand that as we walk this out together as a family. So understand, Matthew reveals Jesus as a king. Let's take just a little bit of the context of Matthew together. Uh, this is a book. The book of Matthew is written primarily to Jews. And it was all about the kingship of Christ. And if you look at the book of Matthew, the very first thing you'll see is this lineage of, of Jesus from Abraham through David. And it's this whole expression written to the Jews so that the Jews could understand that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. He's the Messiah. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has come to awaken his kingdom in the hearts and the lives of everyone. So recognize the most frequently used phrase in Matthew's gospel and write it in on your blank if you would, it was fulfilled. That's, that's the most frequently used phrase that you'll see in the book of Matthew. And this is a constant reference to the prophecies Jesus fulfilled more than any other gospel that we see. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew has more reference to this than any of the others. And this is important because, I mean, you know, it's easy just to kind of coast. Anybody ever just found yourself in a place of coasting in your faith, your relationship with God? Just kind of slip it into neutral, not really giving yourself to that. I mean, it's easy to get there, and you really have to fight that. You have to conquer that. You have to address that. You need to communicate that to somebody that you can trust who can sometimes give you a good kick in the pants. Anybody need a good spiritual kick in the pants from time to time? I know I do. I need a good spiritual knock to the head every once in a while just to snap out of it. And this is what you, you understand. The book of Matthew is actually addressing these empty, hollow, religious people called Jews that were so disconnected from intimacy with God that when the father's son actually showed up in their midst, they did not even recognize who he was. They completely missed him. And if we're not careful, we can do church the same way. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? If we're not careful, we can just start to have the empty, hollow expression of religion and not really possess intimacy. That's why I want you to have a relationship with God in the Word. That's why I want you to find your personal place of prayer. That's why I want you during the day sometime, don't eat lunch, like actually fast and pray and just go out for a prayer walk and say, God, I'm hungry, but more than that, I'm hungry. That's exactly what fasting is all about. It's cultivating this appetite with him. We have to be careful not to just coast into that place. And, and these, these Jews were being addressed in this regard as we take a look and we begin to see this. And what, what is interesting to me because... Uh, Religion presents God as an authority figure that just kind of makes you nervous and you're not really connected to. And I've learned that when people are around authority figures that make them nervous, they get chatty. They talk a lot. Have you noticed that? Like you get around somebody and then they're just kind of you're not sure what to do or say. I was the principal of our school for years 
And when I would go into the lunchroom, the conversation would always change when I would walk up to the table. No matter what they were talking about, the conversation would change. Why? Because the principal walked up to the table. And I especially enjoyed coming up to the table, and when I saw a shift in the table atmosphere, then I would just kind of sit down and look at everybody and not really say much and just kind of listen. And it wouldn't be very long, and they'd be going, so the book of Proverbs in chapter 15 says, like, you know, pretending they're having a Bible study or something in that moment. It was always kind of interesting, and I, I, um, I, I probably should have been fired a few times, and this might be one of the times that I should have, but uh, I picked, just for no reason except it's just what I wanted to do to have fun. <laughs> that was it. I picked the five people I could think of in our school, high school students, that never got in any trouble at all. Uh, students much like myself. Well, like, like the, the woman I married, maybe, I should say. Five people who never, hardly ever, you know, I never heard their name from anybody and anything bad. And, and I decided to play a little joke on those five. Each I did it five different times. Um, have you ever opened an exploding pin? Anybody ever done that? It's really loud when you pop that cap off and there's a cap in there that actually blows up. And so I set a camera up in my office and uh, I brought in, imagine, a student, five of them, one at a time, and I said, uh, listen, I've, I've gotten a letter, I've intercepted a letter that's been passing around, and it is full of filthy language, and I'm understanding that you had something to do with this particular letter. And these kids were like, well, no, 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 you know, I mean, they would never do anything like it. And so they got real nervous and chatty and conversational and, you know, talk, 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 talk. And of course, I'm filming the whole thing. And so I hand them a piece of paper. And I said, well, what we're going to do is a handwriting analysis and evaluate your handwriting compared to the letter that we've intercepted. So I need you to write here, take this pen. And they're like, okay, okay. And when they open the pen and that thing explodes, man, it was the most awesome moment of like the whole year for me. It was so fun. All five of them uh, almost wet their pants in that moment in time. I mean, it's just so crazy that level of because of the authority figure, it just changes the whole dynamic. I want to tell you something about the ultimate authority figure, God. He's not a king who wants to manipulate your emotions or demand something from you. He wants to put something in you, causing you to take a breath of what he is going to inspire in your life, making you become more of what he's called you to become. And that in and of itself will change your life and change your world. Unto us, this king has come. What happens when a king shows up in the earth? The kingdom begins to be expressed. And other kings begin to be awakened. And that's who you and I are. Important that we understand and we recognize that as we sort through and walk this out. I was really... Uh, I was really blessed last week by Tracy's message as she spoke about energy and motion and the emotion of God awakening things within us. And it was really, I've reflected on it a lot this week. But I, one of the things that she shared in that particular uh, ministry time was how we, you know, bust in underprivileged children and we work to do anything we can to help society and the community. And in this particular instance, we're, we've, we're working to help students learn how to read. And an adult came into the office asking about the church, and Barb was talking to them, and she said, you know, I need somebody to tutor me. And Tracy shared that last week as she was speaking, and within just a matter of a couple of days, we actually had four people contacting the office saying, can I help? I'm willing to tutor this person. Would you just help me? This is one powerful church family that steps in when they see a need. I just want to say thank you. I mean, it is wonderful to hear there's a need in place, and now there is a person in motion to reach that 
situation and make a difference. This is exactly what God's wanting to do. Jesus didn't come to establish a holiday where we could exchange presents. Jesus didn't come to establish a religion in the earth. Jesus came to awaken God's family, that's you and that's me, where we're moved by compassion and we hear and sense and see what God's desiring to do in the earth and we realize this is not about, let's watch my hands, you need to understand, this is not about God meeting the need, this is about God meeting the need. God does something within us and awakens us then to begin to help in the lives of those around us and if you really want to see your life flourish, then you'll understand God wants your life to be awesome how many times have I said it this year but that truth comes with a trick the trick is he doesn't want you to pursue an awesome life for yourself he wants you to provide an awesome life for others now that will make your life awesome that is the key isn't it so we walk this out and we allow God to speak what he's wanting to speak into our lives not just for the sake of our being blessed but for the sake of our being a blessing and we can then help others. So let me just ask, what are you doing with your freedom? Are you free? First, let's start there. Are you free? I'm not talking about is your life perfect, but let me just ask, are you free? Do you, have you experienced the freedom that Jesus wants you to experience? Unto us, this child is born. Heaven has come to provide freedom. How many of you used to be in bondage and Jesus liberated you and set you free that you would move into a place of great advancement? Come on, your life is not the same that it used to be. I know you're not who you're going to be, but you're not who you used to be. And we're giving thanks that he's set us free. So the question is, with that freedom he's provided in our lives, what do we do with that freedom to help other people? How are we using that freedom? And so here's your next blank. Do the resources of your life produce a reflection of your king? Because they should. The resources of your life. How are you using your time? How are you using your energy? How are you using the resources of your life to reflect the image of the king? Because God wants to awaken something of that nature. Unto us this child is born. The king has come. And it really is bizarre. But Jesus shows up and, and grows up. We find him in, in a place of ministry as an adult and having just a few years, isn't it phenomenal what he accomplished in just a few years of the kingdom beginning to expand? I mean, blind eyes being opened, dead people coming to life, healing taking place, people that were paralytics rising up, taking their mats and walking once again. Suddenly the king has come and the kingdom begins to expand in a variety of ways, in many, many ways. And then Jesus, near the end of his, of his life, when he's about to go to the cross so that you and I can become awakened to the purposes of God, Jesus walks into the temple. This king has come, and now he's walking into the temple, and he reads the continuation of those verses. So let's start in Isaiah with the verses where it's the prophecy of his coming, and I want to read it from the context of the king. Isaiah 9, 6 to 7. For unto us a child who is our king has come. This son of God is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. It's very important that you understand the government of God in this context. The government will be on his shoulders. Where will the government be? On his shoulders. Just touch your shoulders. 
I, I want you to think about this. You need to ponder this because I want to address it in just a moment. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of, here it is again, the government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Do you understand this king came establishing the government of God, and the government of God is where? You touched them, your shoulders. So Jesus is the head of the church, but you and I are the body of Christ. Agreed? So the shoulders are where? On the body. That means the government of God has been established in the body of Christ. Just try and follow me on this because it's a really significant endeavor that we're on. The government of God or the kingdom of God is discovered in the body of Christ. The authority of God is released. See, if you've got your Bible in your hand, you're holding the constitution that defines the government of God. And when you take the constitution of God with the authority of God in your life, we, the body of Christ, then begin to perpetuate God's kingdom into the earth. Every where we go, every step we take. Come on, there's enough anointing in you to break the yoke of bondage off of every person you meet seven days of the week ahead of you. We're the body of Christ. This is why Jesus came, to establish us. He came to set an example of this and express this every step of the way, perpetuating God's kingdom. And then as he walked this out, setting that example, he commissions us to do the same and he continues in the book of Isaiah, and this is where he fulfills the prophecy near the end of his life. In Isaiah chapter 61, and, and listen, you are in this. You need to hear, you are in this text. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release, you understand, this is, this is a mandate that Jesus is declaring he came to initiate, but you and I carry out and fulfill, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them, listen to what it says, a crown of beauty instead of ashes. You and I are equipped. I, I hope you understand where I'm coming from with this today because Jesus has come and the world's a better place as a result of our recognizing what he's trying to establish within us. You and I are equipped by God to reverse the curse that people suffer in their life. We're not just here to appease people with a problem, to help them feel better about where they are. We are here to reverse the curse into a blessing. That which is bad becomes good. It doesn't become less bad. It becomes real good. Do you, do you hear? This is a reversal. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, and the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore places long devastated. Who is they? You, this is who Jesus is talking about. You will carry out the mandate and the orders as the body of Christ that the head Jesus came to initiate in the earth and now we carry the government of God. They will renew ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. 
Somebody needs to hear today what God is wanting to awaken within them. And Jesus came to the earth to perpetuate so that the revelation of Christ as our soon incoming king who will come back once again has commissioned us to be a part of the team to literally transform the world around us one step at a time, one relationship at a time, one gesture of compassion and love at a time. Whatever it takes, we have to be available for God to use mightily in the lives of those that are within our reach. The kingdom of God, the government of God is at hand. Have you heard that before? Jesus came saying the kingdom of God is at hand. I want you to think about the people that are within your reach. This week, who all will be within your reach? The kingdom of God is at hand. The authority of God is within your reach by releasing something of God's love, power, and anointing into the lives of those that you can touch over the next seven days. It's a powerful revelation of who God's called you and me to be. And I fear that the church by and large has settled for living at a level far less than God ever intended for us to live. And we're not gonna treat you like a bunch of consumers that will come and hear teaching and preaching as your source of food. We want to awaken you to become self-feeders that are true disciples spending personal time with God every day. Wake up in the morning and turn on your worship music. Wake up in the morning and celebrate. Unto us a, a child has come. The king has come and he wants to awaken something in your heart every day that you live for the rest of your life. I want to live a life that's inspired by God. How about you? Come on, let's stand. I want to give you a few directives about how we can live a life that's inspired by God. I forgot to give this last blank to the first service. I want to make sure I give it to you. It is more tragic to be alive and not know why than to be dead and not know life. There's a reason you are here. And it's not just to make you a good moral person. I hope you're a good moral person. I want to be a good moral person. But the reason you're alive is so far beyond that. It's to carry something of an eternal value into a temporal world that's straining to try and understand anything about why they exist. And there's more than mere existence that God has called us to. He's called us to truly live. So to merely exist and not understand that my purpose and my function is actually to embrace and breathe in what God wants to release and exhale and release that which God has called me to release into, into my world. If we don't understand that, then we go through life so frustrated. Unto us, Jesus came. So here, here's the challenge for 2019. We're coming close to the end of this year. We've been focusing in on what it is to flourish and help others flourish. And as we launch into the beginning of 2019, our focus is going to be 40 days. We always take the first fruits of the year and really dive in. If you've not done the, the turn the page, if you haven't taken that chance, please start that uh, as we launch into this next year. Just see what God will do if you'll give yourself to really meeting with him on a regular basis. But for the first 40 days, we're going to focus in. I want to ask you to really devote yourself to what you believe to be the purposes of God in every level of your life for those 40 days. 
and. I've just been asking the Lord for wisdom on this, but there's a uh, Daniel fast, and it's on the blog. It's explained on our church blog if you want to just go look into it. But it's basically where Daniel fasted for 21 days. And the Daniel fast is pretty simple, but Daniel said, I'm not going to eat the delicacies of the king, the meat and the, the uh, desserts and the sugars. And, and so it's refraining from the rich foods that a king would have on purpose because I'm hungry for the things of God. Now, the reason I want to tell you this is so important because when we were talking this last week in our staff meeting, we decided the last Sunday of January, we want to do a worship night. How many of you are up for a worship night? Just come and press in. But I thought it was really interesting because the first Sunday of January, if I remember correctly, is the 5th. And the last Sunday of January is the 26th. And it just so happens it's 21 days between first and last Sundays of January. And I just think God's setting us up in this. I want to invite you to begin to really pray about what is your New Year's revelation? What's God wanting to speak to you for 2019? And we are going to engage in that. We are going to press into that. We're going to try and understand more individually and all together. What does God have in mind when he thinks of me? God has something in mind when he thinks of you. You know, when I think of Lexi, my daughter, I think of just sweet compassion. Embrace. She's the kind of person, she's probably not going to have a lot of words for me when I'm walking through something, but she will come up and give me a hug. When I think of her, that's what I think of. And when I think of faith, she's the kind of person that's probably not going to have a lot of hugs for me, but she's going to have a lot of words for me. She's going to have a lot of conversation. She's going to tell me how much she loves and appreciates me, and she'll do acts of service. And I just know there's a distinction uh, about my kids. How many of you know the Father knows that about each and every one of you? Tim and Esther, we're so excited for you guys having a baby. We're celebrating. Come on, there's new life in the Munsinger family. And in the same way that these parents one day were being formed in the womb, their child is today being formed in the womb. And God has something specific in mind. What does God have specifically in mind for you? And let's try to live up to that by surrendering more completely to Him. Come on, let's just do that. Lord, oh man, we, none of us have this all figured out. None of us have it all together. We're desperately in need of you. So we just invite you, Jesus, you came to the earth to awaken your kingdom in the heart of humanity so that we might not just experience what you provide, but express what you desire to release. So first, Lord, it begins by our experience with you where we take in all that you're desiring for us to take in. So Lord, we invite you Come on, Jesus, you are the Savior of the world. You came to rescue all humanity. If you agree with that, first and foremost, come on, let's celebrate his name and lift up the name of Jesus. He is the Savior. Lord, you are my Savior. You came to rescue me.
Lord, we as a family want to embrace more of what that's supposed to look like in terms of our expression. So help us to learn that together, we pray. In the name of Jesus.